on, guys? Got another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm the side. Joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, who's a Tad the Side. And Tad, we're diving hard into our draft content. But, I mean, before we get into all that, I mean, I know you're at a wedding on Saturday, but my lord, was that Niners game stressful for me. I swear, was... I aged like five years during watching that game. <laughs> I'm not joking. This is 100% true. So I was seated right next to or right across from a Packers fan. And about two seats down from him was a 49ers fan. And first off, the Packers fan was doing the most Packers fan thing of all time. I was just like looking down at him like, well, at least this is a great game, right? And you could just tell it was really rubbing him the wrong way. Oh, of course it was. Of course it was. So at the end of the night, towards the fourth quarter, we all get together for a group picture. And Packers fan is there. He's a high school friend of the group. And Mm -hmm. we kind of look around. We're like, where's 49ers fan? And we just realized we hadn't seen him in about 45 minutes. And there was a legitimate thought of like, is he in the bathroom stall watching this game right now? And then, of course, of course, and this is why people don't like 49ers fans. Not saying you're one of these, but (laughs) the second it was, you know, the green law interception happened. And I mean, like the second. 49ers fan walks back into the room. Of course. Which is nice. like, where were you? He's like, oh, I was at the bar. <laughs> yeah, it was a very stressful game. Lots of tension filled into it. Lots of like, what's happening here? It should not be going this way as a Niners fan specifically. Uh, but yeah, ultimately got to breathe a sigh of relief. They got to pull out the victory there. So we are playing this weekend against the Detroit Lions. It's going to be a very interesting matchup there. Uh, Because, I mean, also we had on Sunday two really good games between Buffalo and Kansas City. But with no stock in the game, I was able to enjoy it in peace compared to the Niners-Packers game where I was on edge. I was standing the entire final two minutes of that game. I was just like, this is too stressful for me. I really just couldn't handle it. But, yes, thankfully we have moved on. Baltimore obviously won as well, beating Houston pretty convincingly as well. Uh, Tampa Bay, Detroit, that was a pretty close game too. But yeah, Detroit was able to sort of take that in the second half. Um, But yeah, should be shaping up for some really good conference games this coming weekend. I will say this. I'm sick of Kansas City. They're the new New England. A lot of people are. I don't hate them as much as I hate New England or hated New England because it's kind of hard to hate them now. but yeah, I'm just sick of Kansas City. Like I was just ready for Buffalo to kind of like overcome that hurdle and like really be in the running. And I thought they would have. Really yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it was funny. Like the second Buffalo loss, I was like, all right, whoever wins the NFC, I'm cheering for them. Because like, look, Baltimore has been so good for so long. Just be bad. Spend your time <laughs> in the cellar, like you know the the normal fan. They remind me a lot of Florida State, where I used to despise Florida State. I used to hate them. But then the past decade of futility, I was like, all right, now that they're good again, I'm actually okay with this. This is pretty cool. Baltimore has never really had that like era of downturn. And so it's just like, you know what? Just be bad for a while. So yeah, I'm sick of Baltimore. I'm sick of uh, Kansas City. Stephon Diggs, stop being a diva and catch the damn ball. Even Cap agrees. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, I think all over social media, I think the nation is sort of being like joked about that the super bowl that everybody wants is between the baltimore ravens and the detroit lions because yeah the niners are ultimately playing the villain in this weekend's matchup because everybody's gonna be rooting for detroit i know your dad will obviously be rooting for detroit yep um 
to get to their first ever Super Bowl in franchise history. And who's standing in the way? Why San Francisco 49ers? So yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. Maybe we'll do a preview episode later this week. We'll see about that. But before we get into all that, we definitely want to discuss, like I said, some draft stuff because that is coming right after the Super Bowl is over. We're hard into all the draft content. That's where we're going to have the combine, all the pro days, and of course, the end of the April month there, having the NFL draft. But Tad, let's uh, really quickly make sure we promote our wonderful sponsors at Underdog Fantasy before we get into today's content because, I mean... It's just a fun way to get into some fantasy action as well as some betting action. They got you covered on both fronts. So if you want to go for the fantasy aspect, you do what's called best ball. So pretty much you draft your entire roster, um, you set it, and you forget it. You don't have to worry about, you know, starting this player over this player. You don't have to worry about trades. You don't have to worry about the waiver wire. It's literally just all taken care of for you. You draft your roster at the beginning of the season, and you never have to touch it again. Uh, underdog fantasy's platform will optimize your roster each and every week and they will give you the highest scoring total out of all your positions each and every week so you don't even have to worry about that situation where it's like oh should i start stefan Diggs here should i start you know t higgins here it's like oh man t higgins i looked on the bench he went up for like 40 points underdog will take care of that for you well they will give you the higher point total for all of your position players based on all the positions there so they take care of all that so it's really nice for people that don't want to mess with like you know trades and waiver wires start sits and all that just takes out all that guesswork you just play the game and you see how your roster shapes up at the end of the season but i think the bigger thing that me and tad are a fan of is the betting aspect where you pick anywhere between two to five different prop picks and you can pick across the nfl you Prick, uh, the NBA, uh, the NHL, college basketball is going on right now, but they got a lot of sports to get you covered there. And you pick, like I said, anywhere between two to five different uh, prop picks there. Uh, the more picks you make, the more money that you could win. And it's just a lot of fun. Like, I mean, there's random props. Like, I think uh, we drop our video every single week we try to, uh, where we had props where it was uh, uh, Brock Purdy. Unfortunately, I didn't get this one right, but Brock Purdy over under 30 and a half passing attempts. So you pick that. Um, Tad, I know your friend is a good friend, a uh, good fan of the rivals aspect where it's like you go head to head. Yep. So it's like, Who's going to have more receiving yards? Is it going to be Christian Watson or is it going to be Jaden Reed? It even goes on the same team. It's not always against other teams as well, other players. So you can compete against your own team there. And just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of great way to get into the action. But here's the biggest thing as to why you should use their platform. We're going to give you a promo code to get in to double up on your initial deposit of $10 or more up to $500. All you got to use is that promo code decide D E S A I. And like I said, double up on your first or initial deposit, $10 or more up to $500. And they will match that dollar for dollar into your account. So if you were to put in $500, underdog as long as you use that promo code and it's your first deposit underdog will match that dollar for dollar and you will get one thousand dollars worth of betting credit on their platform so i mean just use that code guys get into the action it's a ton of fun me and tad have been using this platform for the past couple months wonderful partnership wonderful website wonderful app and just yeah especially with the conference championship and the super bowl right around the corner perfect time to get in and create your account with them 
And I'll say this as well is it, it just it's so much fun just to you know, have a very low stakes bet that can pay off so well. You place, you know, three over unders for five dollars and it has a potential payout if you, you know, space them out correctly of close to fifty dollars. So you're really putting very little money to invest in games that you don't really care about. I have never cheered for a Jordan Love completion harder in my life. He finished <laughs> one completion short. Wow. He was one awesome. short. I would have won that's $50, but it was still perfect. awesome. And they are so much fun to work with. And I'm telling you, like, it is so uh, fun to do with friends and to, uh, you know, just kind of share each other's bets as well. That there's a yeah. whole group text I have invented. And I, I did not invent it. I am in. Um, <laughs> I, I can't take credit for it. My friends will yell at me. But there they are go. just so so awesome about all of that and uh you know fun fact true story is i actually bet the over with joel Embiid and carl anthony towns so i'm uh i'm currently like swimming in money like scrooge mcduck Solid. i did not actually i did not actually do that god i wish i did but that's the type of thing we're talking <laughs> about you put five money five bucks on that you know type of odds both of them had historic games whoo you're swimming in it and i like the payouts with this site are absolutely insane toward your favor so you know underdog fantasy great site to use very easy site as well that's another thing very easily navigate um you know to navigate um but like Amir said that promo code right there decide that is d is in david e s is in sam ai they'll match it they'll match it because the first time i did it i was like there's no way and i put it in 250 i'm like oh my god there's 500 dollars in here and it was awesome I burned through it very quickly, but it was awesome. <laughs> so, yes. Now, Underdog is – you know what? Screw it. I'll say it. They're my favorite partner so far. I love them. No, I agree. I agree. We've had a lot of great partners. But, yeah, the partnership with Underdog Fantasy has been fantastic so far. So, guys, use that promo code DESAI, D-E-S-A-I, to double up on your digital deposit of $10 or more, up to $500 on their fantasy platform. So, Tad – we gave a shout out to our great partners there. Let's get into today's episode. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft, uh, but specifically, we're going to be talking about some prospects that, you know, we haven't gotten to the draft bowl games here. We haven't had the East West Shrine game, the senior bowl, the HBCU legacy bowl. We haven't gone to the combine. Obviously, we haven't gone to the pro days either. So we're going to be talking about a couple guys that we think could shoot up the boards Depending on how this sort of draft season goes, where it's like, you know, if they have a good performance during Senior Bowl week, if they have a good performance at the Combine, if they totally kill it at their pro day, where it's like now scouts will start to be looking at it and be like, all right. they, I mean, Tad, we've talked about it so many times on the podcast before, but just like some of those scouts have that recency bias. That's like, I saw mm -hmm. this guy do really well now. Screw what his stats and his numbers show in his last season. I'm seeing something here now that really makes me really like this prospect. So, I mean, that plays a huge part as far as whether a guy gets drafted higher or lower based on their projected sort of, you know, slot number as far as, you know, first round, second round, you know, low first, middle of the second, whatever it is. And so, yeah, we're going to bring up a couple of guys here that we think could be shooting up the boards based on having a successful season in the draft season here. So, Tad, why don't you give me your first guy that you think could be a potential riser off those 2024 uh, NFL draft uh, big boards? I will not. <laughs> you going to give some faller? You're going to give some faller? Is that instead? You, you have to guess him. I have to guess him. <laughs> All right. You ready? So, this player is a college junior, so he did declare early. Okay. In his three years in college, he had 
12 sacks, three forced fumbles, four picks, two touchdowns, and 10 passes defended. Who's my first pick? Uh, this one's tricky. This, this is very tricky. mean to do to you so early on in the process, but that's exactly Yeah, there's still a lot of it. tape I have to watch. There's still a lot of stats I have to go through, but... He did go I'm to gonna... a Power 5 conference school. He did so or did not? He did, so I'm not he trying did. to trick you with, like, a small school guy or anything. Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I think with those sack numbers, I'm going to go with Jared Verse, the edge rusher out of Florida State. I think Jared Verse had two. What was it? Three picks? Four Maybe? picks? Maybe. I don't know. Oh God, that would be impressive. I think Jared Verse <laughs> would be in like first overall conversation. I was more on the sack the number. I think that's why I went with Jared. Well, Verse it's more. interesting. You should focus on that because we're gonna get to it. Uh, is not is a guy I was raving about when we did our only, I believe, our only uh in season draft episode a couple months ago. And you know what? My man crush is still there. This guy is a monster. He is going to be good, and I cannot wait for him to be the second-round pick of the Indianapolis Colts. I'm talking about Jeremiah Trotter. <laughs> Jeremiah Trotter, solid pick. Junior, like junior, sorry. Senior, yep, senior, senior, his junior. time has passed. He had his time. Yep. He yeah, had his successful time. career. He has retired now. Now he's going to be rooting on his son. So, yes. so let me say that again. So Jeremiah Trotter, for those of you who don't know, is an inside linebacker at Clemson. He had, over his three-year career, 12 sacks, three forced fumbles, four picks, two touchdowns and 10 passes defended. My God. So we'll, we'll get into the sack number in a bit, but real quick, Amir, I want to ask you one more question. This one's not a trick. I promise. Okay. Who do you think is the best inside linebacker in the NFL today? At one point it was debatable between Darius Leonard and Fred Warder, but unfortunately Darius Leonard with all his injuries has sort of dropped off. So I'm going to have to give you the bastard. edge there to Fred Warder there. Roquan Smith and the Baltimore Ravens is a close second. It's close. He's it's close. Speaking really, of Roquan really well. Smith, by the way, I saw some crazy like graphic. It was Facebook. So who knows if this is true, but uh, he's actually over, uh, not overcome. Uh, he's actually exceeded a lot of Ray Lewis's stats at this point in their careers. Like, I don't he, doubt he's it. a better linebacker than Ray Lewis. I That's don't insane. doubt it. He That's plays ridiculous. very well, well. He's very much a leader of that defense, and there's a reason why they were the number one seed and playing for a potential Super Bowl berth. All I'm saying is Ray Lewis's PR guy, he deserves a raise. Uh, <laughs> but all right, so while I look up, you know, Fred Warner's stats real quick, sure. uh, fill a buster for me. Well, do you know about Jeremiah, Jeremiah Trotter? Like just general thoughts on the line inside linebacker class for this year. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is that no doubt that he's probably going to be the number one linebacker off the board in this year's draft class. But I think just the unfortunate thing is just he plays a very traditional linebacker type of role, right? Where it's like we sort of talked about this when we talked about this um, before the season. We did a sort of college football preview of some guys that you should be watching as the season goes along. I remember that episode. And I remember you brought him up and I said that as good as he is, I think just with the modern day NFL, you sort of need that guy to be that sort of all around type of linebacker. So it's like he comes in on pass rush. He can drop into coverage. He plays that sideline to sideline type of player too. He's that, you know, the quarterback of your defense. He needs to do like all those things. And that's unfortunately what the Mart NFL linebacker needs to do. And I, I'm not saying Jeremiah Trotter Jr. can't do all those things, but I think because of that, where it's like you still need to develop all those skills, 
that's why the linebacker class is going to be valued a little bit less compared to other positions. So even though he's probably the number one linebacker in this year's draft class, he's probably not going to go until the second round. Uh, okay, thank you for you know talking long because I had to do math and that is just downright ter- uh, terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I greatly appreciate it. No sarcasm for once in my entire life. Um, all right, so if I'm doing my math correct, in his first three years of his NFL career, Fred Warner had four sacks while uh, Trotter had 12. Fred Warner had five forced fumbles. Trotter had three. Okay. Fred Warner had three picks. Trotter had four. Warner had one touchdown. Trotter had two. Now, this is where Warner wins by quite a margin. Warner had 15 passes defended. Trotter only had 10. Only. My point I will being, also say I will also say that Fred Warner was a converted safety at BYU. So I was about like, to say, Fred, Warner, Fred Warner's uh, three inches taller. Than Trotter, yeah, so yeah. That, that plays a big deal too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So my point being is that I know people are going to be screaming at us that like, well, you, how could you compare NFL stats to college stats? I'm not saying they're directly comparable. My point being though, is that I, I agree with, you know, kind of what makes the, one of the best linebackers in the game today is an overall skill set. And I completely agree with what you said is yes, he does thrive. Now, here's where I kind of disagree with you. He said, you kind of said he's best in that. Yes, he does thrive in the traditional linebacker role, but the 12 sacks, career sacks, does prove that when he can get past the line, his patience, his ability to understand the game, understand where the quarterback is going to freak out and go is really, really good when he can get past the line. Again, we're going to touch on that in a bit. So I think that while he he is a blitzing inside linebacker, he's no Micah Parsons, right? He's not an inside linebacker that's going to get like, you know, 10 sacks a game. I know people are going to be like, he had more 10 sacks. I'm talking as about Parsons as an inside linebacker. He had around 10 then. Um, which, by the way, I saw all these Cowboy fans at work were talking like, we need to put him back at inside linebacker. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why you ever stopped doing that. Um, <laughs> but point being is, he has all these great skills and really the only negative I can find on him, the more tape I watch of him and I've watched quite a bit of tape. I honestly think outside quarterback, he's probably the guy I've watched the most tape of so far uh, in this process. The only real negative I can find on him is his size. His technique is yeah. good. Um, his pass coverage is phenomenal. Uh, his instincts are, I mean, like, you know, you can tell his dad used to be a great defensive player. Cause it's just like, you can be like, all right. Yeah. His dad taught him the trick of like, when the receiver does this, you do this. And it's just like, of okay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. but the only problem is he's, he's listed as six foot, which I'll be very interested in the combine to see where he comes in as, um, so he's six foot two thirty. He's coming in lower than two thirty. That guy is not two thirty. Um, so he's small. So what ends up happening is I, I think this is why you said that is like, yes, he tends to get swallowed at the line. Um, so he could be a blitz liability, but it's something that you mentioned way back in the beginning of this episode. And this is kind of where I, you know, drew a lot of inspiration for both my picks, Trotter included. I think both my picks are going to blow up at the combine. Trotter is a crazy good athlete. He's super okay. fast, very, you know, agile. I almost said very agility. Thank God I, you know, save that. I said agile. Um, I know, I know. 
So I think he's actually really going to blow up at the combine and that people are going to overcome his size. But the biggest thing with the reason I think he's going to shoot up draft boards is not in terms of play style, but in terms of situation, he reminds me a lot of a guy that I said the exact same thing last year and you thought I was crazy and God damn it. I was right. Yeah. And you, you nailed it. So we're both right here. Okay. He is the best inside <laughs> linebacker in this class. Bar none. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who is last year's best inside linebacker? probably say Jack Campbell. What round did Jack Campbell go in? The first round. Your honor, arrest my case. My point (laughs) being is usually the top guy at any position. Now, of course that's not possible, but the top guy at any position guard in particular tends to slip. Um, Remember when we thought Osiris Torrance was going to go in the first round? He's damn it. Damn it. But most of the key positions, inside linebacker being one of them, if you're the best at your position, your chances of being taken, not early in the first round. I don't think he's going to shoot up that high, but I could see Jeremiah Trotter being a, you know, quote unquote, shocking pick late in the first round, as will my next guy. But Jeremiah Trotter, I'm telling you, you guys are going to be real sick about hearing about him uh, in April because I'm not going to shut up about him. He is so damn good. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. It's just that he's got all the talent. You just wonder whether that size thing is going to come into play. But but like I sort of brought up earlier, it's just that with that recency bias, is like if he has just a sensational combine, he absolutely follows it up with a great pro day too. It's like scouts are going to look at that. They're going to sort of look at that recency bias. Some of them are going to think that way. And yeah, they're going to be like, you know what? Like you said, it's like maybe they need to warrant taking him in the first round then at that bottom of that first round. So we'll see exactly how that plays out. But I like him as a sort of fringe first round candidate there because like exactly like you laid out, when you're at the number one of whatever position that you are in his respective draft class, you sort of had to entertain that conversation about so it's like, I don't know if we'll get this guy later. So maybe it's better that we take this guy now and sort of reach for a guy. So it's like, maybe you'll sort of get drafted as like, Oh, this was the reach of the first round, but it's like, you'd rather have your guy instead of not having your guy. Right. So and I, that's, that's exactly, right yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened with Detroit and Jack Campbell. Detroit was kind of sitting there. Cause I, if I'm not, did Detroit trade up for him? I think they I did. I don't think so. I don't think so, not? but I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that one. Did they really have two first round picks? Oh, was that from the Jared Goff thing? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, there it is. But I, it's, regardless, I think it was the same mindset of like, Jack Hamill's not going to be there when we pick. Um, so we got to take him now. And yes, mm-hmm. it was a bit of a reach, but Jack Campbell, uh, low key. I mean, he's not going to win it, but it would not shock me if he got a vote or two for defensive rookie of the year. He was really, oh, really good. This easily. Year. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say that I'm currently blanking on is uh, I, I think, oh, this was it. Uh, I'm, I'm mad at myself. Because last week's episode, we were talking about guys who made the right call to declare early. And uh, he's a perfect pick because like we talked about, this inside linebacker class, I've said multiple times, this is one of the deepest drafts I have witnessed. Honestly, this might be the, the deepest draft I've witnessed in my life. Like all, there are so many positions that are so deep and so good. So many guys, I'm like, yeah, you should have just stayed until next year. This is the one like position class so far where I'm like, yeah, no, that's a weak point. And like very good call by him, especially with his size, because I could see his size if next. And I haven't looked at 2025's inside linebacker class. I'll openly admit that. But if they are good, uh, Trotter would definitely be locked out of the first round. And now he's in the first round conversation if he tests well. So good call by you going early. Yeah, I think the big thing that a lot of a lot of people sort of saw is that him declaring this year is probably good because he also has a running mate 
at Clemson. I think his name is Barrett Colson. Barrett Carter. Barrett Carter. That's the name. I was that sounds familiar. Up real fast here. But he's probably going to be the projected number one linebacker in next year's class because he decided mm. to come back to school instead of entering this year because a lot of people speculate they might enter this year and go with Jeremiah Trotter Jr. That would have slid Jeremiah Trotter a little bit lower because Barrett Carter definitely has a better better skill set compared to Jeremiah Trotter. So, oh yeah, that, like I said, that sort of works out for him because, yeah, he's going to be the clear-cut number one this year, and I think Barrett Carter next year. If everything goes according to plan, he'll be number one next year. So I'm going to stick to the defensive side of the ball with my pick here. I'm going to go to an edge rusher, and I'm going to bring up Damian Chop Robinson. He's also another guy that I brought up during that Time episode. out, time out. I'm sorry to interrupt. Chop is not his real name. It's not his real name. It is David. And then also on top of that, like they spell David in such a way that's like, I've never seen it spelled this way. So that's why I had to make sure I heard it correctly. It is D E M E I O U N. So it's just like, I have no idea how you get Damien from there, but yeah, it is Damien chop Robinson, the edge rusher out of, did I hear that right? I only put it on uh, my headphones on at the end. Is there a U in Damien? Yeah, I'll spell it again for you. D-E-M-E-I-O-U-N. You know, I would love to say I'm surprised, but as a middle school uh, teacher, (laughs) you would be shocked at some of these names. But damn it! I thought Chop was his legitimate name. All right, well, I just got to name my kid Chop then. I'm legitimately upset by that because that is one of my my favorite (laughs) names. And by the way, my second pick is among my favorite names in this year's draft. Chop, you know what? Screw it. Damien... Weird Damien Hire, the hell you spell it, does not exist on this podcast. He is Chop. Yeah, it's probably going to be Chop Robinson <sighs> from here on out, but just yes, I had to definitely give his full name. Oh my Damian God. Damien Chop Robinson, edge rusher out of Penn State. Every time he gets a sack, we can go, I'm sorry, you've been chopped. <laughs> well, that's sort of where the Chop nickname comes from because he does really? a Chop dance after he gets a sack. Okay. So it's like, it's not to that extent that you laid out there, but yeah, he does have a Chop sack dance. But I think the big thing that we're going to see with Chop Robinson, I know you're sort of talking about Jeremiah Trar Jr. going to have a very explosive combine, most likely. Chop Robinson's going to fall that same boat because, I mean, when you're watching this guy's tape or, you know, videos on YouTube or whatever, it's not actual tape anymore. Um, or we don't, don't have access the to the tape. Don't reveal the We secrets. don't have access to the We have access to – oh, no, we lost access to that tape, didn't we? Damn it. <laughs> um, so we're watching videos on YouTube. It's just like what I'm watching video of this guy is just the very first thing that you see right off the bat – explosive off the line. Like, I mean, this guy just has such a very quick first step. He could easily catch the offensive lineman off guard, easily could get around offensive lineman. He could get through on the inside as well. Just a very versatile edge rusher. Um, lined him up all over the uh, offensive, uh, the defensive line, excuse me. So it's like they were lining up on both left and the right side, lining up up the middle. Um, he was just coming at all angles because he had that versatility as a pass rusher. He was also dropping into coverage, which you'd like, especially from an edge rusher specifically. Specifically. So it's like you can see some of those skills that you can develop to obviously, you know, maybe make a more of an outside linebacker as opposed to just a pure edge rusher or a defensive end specialist or like a pass rushing specialist there. One thing, though, that I think that's why I'm calling him like a fringe candidate as to why I expect him to rise is because he is still raw like i mean there's a lot of these skills that you're seeing that you're salivating at that's just like oh my god his explosive is great his agility is great the fact that he's able to sort of just like look like a you know prototypical pass rusher this is the guy that we want on a roster there's still a lot of things that he needs to work on for one thing terrible in the run game like i mean he's absolutely like whereas agility is a benefit in the pass rushing aspect 
in the run defense aspect, he sometimes gets too aggressive. He over pursues runners. He sometimes gets locked up by offensive linemen because he just doesn't shed the blockers all that well. When he's coming in for a pass rush, he has a few skill sets, but I mean, that's another aspect of his game that he needs to develop some more pass rushing skill sets instead of just relying on his speed and his agility. He needs to, you know, get some up and under moves, needs to spin moves, you know, the Dwight Freedy spin move. That would be fantastic if you can sort of incorporate that. Great but just back. unfortunately, he doesn't have that skill set just yet. It's still like a very developing case. But I think, once again, your scouts are going to see this, and they're going to see this guy at the combine, and obviously at his pro day as well. And you're going to see just all these athletic abilities. You're going to be like, this is a guy that we can sort of like, you know, the piece of clay that you can mold it. Like, this is the perfect defender that we want. But honestly, if he doesn't develop all that much through the draft process here, he is instantly day one going to be a passer specialist. And then maybe you'll use a couple of years with that team to like really develop the rest of his game to become a more all around defender. Like I said, they're dropping him into coverage at Penn State, but just maybe not consistently. He was all that great in pass coverage. Um, but just, yeah, I think the biggest thing is because you're seeing a lot of the raw ability, because it's not as refined, this is why he is not a guaranteed first round pick. Now, based on the mock drafts that I've seen, there's people ranging him anywhere from the bottom of the first to somewhere in the middle of the second. So right now, as I see it, based on the tape that I'm seeing, I'm seeing him closer to that middle of the second. But, like I said, if he has an explosive combine, if he's able to follow that up with a really successful pro day, I think he's a shoo-in to be at that tail end of the first round. Because, like I said, this is a skill set that it's hard to sort of find in a very good pass rusher. We're obviously in a pass-first league here in the NFL. Like I said, even if he doesn't develop all that much during these next couple of months during the draft process, he could be a day one pass rush, a pass rush specialist, excuse me, that could really be a difference maker for any defense, especially where you try to get up to the quarterback. So, like I said, these next couple of months are going to play a critical part, but I think he can sort of develop and really showcase his skills that scouts are going to be like, you know what? This is a guy that we want to draft and develop. We don't want to let him get past us and go into the second round where somebody else get trade up to get him. I think we need to take him at the bottom of the first year. So, yeah, I could see him as a fringe first rounder with the draft process after the combine and the pro day where he becomes a first round pick with a little bit more there. So, but yeah, I very much like the skill set there, but just a lot of refinement still needed. So I was about to say, I'm glad you ended it on that. Uh, this is a draft word I usually hate, but for pure comparison that I'm about to make uh, sake. So you would call him a raw prospect? <laughs> yes. Yes, he's very raw. I hate when I hate when analysts say that. He's <laughs> I raw. know, I know. They're all raw. They're rookies. Know, but yeah. anyway, uh, I was the one that brought it up. But anyway, um, okay, because the way so I'll openly admit I have not watched any of his tape yet. However, sure. Sure. it is interesting. So I did watch a lot of Michigan. Michigan's my second favorite team uh, in college football, and he was one of those play. And this is when you know he's a good player is when, uh, especially a non quarterback, running back, receiver, non skills uh, position guy jumps off uh, at you on TV. Like you kind of notice him of like, oh damn, that that guy there. Like whether it be offensive lineman, defensive lineman, linebacker, Jeremiah Trotter, um, like a guy that's just like you're like this guy's all over the place. Um, he was one of those guys. Robinson was one of those guys where I was like, okay, this whole Penn State defense, not that good. That dude, very good. Um, so the way you kind of described him reminds me of two things. Uh, the first is he sounds like a Derek Barnett type where it's like, okay, even if you bust, which let's admit it, Derek Barnett probably has at this point, 
He's still good. I mean, I texted you the other day. I was like, Derek Barnett is a Texan because he got a very key sack on Joe Flacco in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, Derek Barnett on a very obvious, you know, pass rush situation. So yes, Derek Barnett, you carve that niche out for yourself. Hopefully not with the Texans moving yeah, forward. Yeah, and but- also, you know, Derek Barnett was drafted in the first round. And I think, yeah, just like you said, Ted, he didn't live up to the pedigree. But like you said, he comes up at those critical moments with some key sacks. He was the guy who got the very last sack on Tom Brady when the Patriots won their Super Bowl. So, I mean, yeah, this guy came in clutch when he sort of needed to. But yes, as you're drafting him as a first round pass rusher, yeah, maybe he doesn't have the stats to back that up, unfortunately. <laughs> and this is obviously the other side of the coin because I remember that, well, partially because it was, I don't remember if it was the very first draft I followed or it was among the first drafts I followed is I remember hearing about this defensive end who was really, really good, but my God, that that is when I first was like, he's raw. Like, what, did they not put him on the grill long enough? Like, I didn't understand what raw meant at the time. I was like 12, uh, sure. which really tells you how long this dude has been playing. Um, and they were like, he's either going to be really good or solid, but there's no way he's neither. It was Jason Pierre-Paul. And they were talking about Jason Pierre-Paul in the draft. I remember the Giants took him in the first round, and they were like, all right, they went for the home run. And I think that was shortly after Strahan uh, retired, and they're like, okay, this is it. So I, it sounds a lot like Chop Robinson is that guy. And the other thing I'll say is while I was watching that Michigan game, uh, there was a play where Chop Robinson, kind of like what you talked about, they put him in coverage a surprising amount. Um mm-hmm where they kind of did the fake like outside rush and then he dropped back in about middle coverage. And uh, it reminded me, and I was hoping that you could hopefully uh, remember cause I couldn't, but it was when Dan Quinn was in Atlanta and mm-hmm. way back in the days when I watched the NFL network shows that would like break down the plays and stuff. And they were talking yeah. how crazy it was. Cause there was like a white guy who was defensive end for the Falcons back then I think he went to like Montana or something and he did the exact same thing where it was kind of like break off, but then drop down because he was so athletic. Um, I can't remember the name of him for the life of me. I'm going to remember it as soon as the show is done recording. But bottom line being is like, yeah, if you have a defensive defensive, a athletic defensive end, let me say that, um, that can do stuff like that. And if you can refine those techniques, Ooh, you got a very, very dangerous weapon on your hands. 100%, 100%. So, yeah, Chop Robinson, I can see him, especially if he has a successful next couple of months. He could definitely cement himself as a first-round pick. But as of right now, I see him most likely as a day-two pick in that middle, in the second round, either the middle or the top of there, uh, depending on how you sort of see it play out there. So, all right, Ted, give me another player that you think could shoot up draft boards if he has a successful draft season. I think I'm developing a new draft crush. Okay. All right. This guy is really, really good. Interesting. And plus, I love his name. Although I realized halfway through recording this episode, I never actually looked up if it's the correct pronunciation. But we're gonna go for the rhyme because it's more fun. I really like Cedric Van Pran. (laughs) Okay. Okay. He is a six foot three, six foot four. Excuse me, six foot four. I look up the measurements. Three hundred eleven pound center out Georgia. I've watched eh, roughly like four or five of his games at this point. I like him. He's good. Okay. He's good. He's already my pick for best center in this year's draft. And it's because he's so athletic. He is. And, and it's weird because like what you usually want to have a center is a mauler, right? And then this isn't a perfect comparison. This is not my comparison. I am not saying they are alike, but I'm only saying they're alike in this way. 
where he kind of reminds me of just uh, Jeff Saturday. Now he's <laughs> Jeff Saturday. He is much, okay. much bigger than okay. Jeff Saturday. He is much bigger than Jeff Saturday, but they remind me in this way of like, he's not the strongest guy in the world. In fact, I would actually say his strength is his biggest weakness. I'll be very interested to see. And look, I I've said it on the pod before. I'll say it again. This is not the best, you know, demonstration of his strength, but at the same time, I'll be very interested to see how many reps he gets at the combine. I could see him finishing with surprisingly little, um, which is about 24 more than I could ever do. Um, but with, with that, so, oh, I don't even think Dude, if you <laughs> dropped that bar on me, that would like crush my trachea. That's like a moral combat fatality right there. But uh, he's an absolute freak athlete. And I think that with all the other drills in the combine, the four yard dash, the agility drills, he's going to win because that's, and that's where the Saturday comparison comes in is he knows how to like kind of game the system. And I'll get more into that in a bit, but you know, you look at, some of the ways that he performs the position well at center, he understands the stance. He understands, you know, the, the fundamentals very well. I say this a lot. I actually, this was a self-criticism. I've gone back and looked at our last year's live stream of the draft plenty of times. And I've said this about a lot, trust me, a lot of offensive linemen where I'm like, yeah, he's good. Just needs to work on his footwork. Yeah, he's good. Just needs to learn how to like, you know, spread his stance. Yeah, he's good. Just needs to learn how to do the chop feet. Um, you know, it's just, I'm like Rex Ryan when it comes to offensive linemen, all I'm looking at is their feet and it's just like, that's all. Oh, come on. That was great. (laughs) That was excellent. Oh my Lord. Wow. (laughs) We went there. I can't believe it. (laughs) It's all right. He's made fun of himself for it. But (sighs) point being is I, he is one of the first offensive linemen I've looked at where I'm like, yeah, very few notes. Like he does, he moves his feet quickly. He positions himself incredibly well. Yeah, there's some ticky tack bullshit I can call him out on. But honestly, if you like, if he was forced to be a starter day one, now I wouldn't draft him to be a day one starter. But if you're forced to draft him to be a day one starter, I, I don't. I there are worse players you could go with. And the crazy thing too, and I think this is gonna help him a lot, is like I've been gushing over his athletic ability. This dude gets to the second level like no other. And it was funny because the first video or tape I watched of him, he was decking these linebackers on poles and stuff, which is not normal for a center. I will admit that. A center pulling is a pretty college thing. He's not going to do that if he plays center at the next level. And he was just, I mean, pancake. He was like the old Madden when he could be the my player guard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I mean – Dude, I'm not even joking, like literally like putting these guys to the ground. And I was like, I wasn't that impressed because I'm like, okay, you're not going to be able to do that in the NFL. But the fact that he has that type of finacity and the fact that he has that speed, and that's the big thing is honestly, it would not shock me if he has the fastest 40 among linemen in the combine. Okay. Okay. Shows me, okay, that is an offensive lineman, which means I could see him also working out guard. He's got the size, mm-hmm. 6'4", 3'11". So, okay, fine. You don't believe in him at center? I could see him being a pretty good, like, pull guard, swing guard. Um, now, I will say this. He uh, <laughs> he does tend to struggle against the faster nose tackles. So, against, like, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the thing. I was thinking, I was like, all right, who are the fastest nose tackles? It's um, uh, Michael Pierce, Chris Jones, and Aaron Donald. And I was thinking, like, who are other fast nose tackles? And that's all I don't know about you, but that's all I could come up with. And those are the best uh, nose tackles in the game. Vita Bea comes to mind too. 
Is he fast though? He's not really fast. He's strong. I'll give you that. He's got strong, but he's got some quick, you know, he's got a quick first step. I think that's the biggest thing. So that okay. usually helps, right? Fair. So that's the big thing is that's his bit, one big weakness is uh, sure. if, if they beat him off the snap, he's toast. He is absolute toast. Got it. But okay. kind of going back to what we were talking about with Jeremiah Trotter is he's the best, in my opinion, the best center in this year's draft. And just because of sheer need, I think he's going to end up in the first. I think there's a fascinating area where he could go way earlier than people think people are going to, like you said, call it the you know reach of the draft. But in about two or three years time, we're going to be like, what the hell are we talking about? And how about this? This is my prediction. As of now, assuming they say at this pick. If they trade out of the first round, I am absolved of this prediction. <laughs> Do you want to guess the pick, or should I just tell you? Uh, you can just tell me. All right. At number, Do you know who's picking at number 22? 22. I don't remember, because I think, like, Cleveland's at 23, or Houston, I want to say, something like that. Or, yeah, so I'm not 100%. I'll give you a hint. One of these players, if his future sister-in-law is at the Super Bowl, I am going to lose my mind. The Philadelphia Eagles are selecting at number 22. That player I mentioned, Jason Kelsey, those retirement rumors are swirling big time. Now, I personally don't think that Kelsey is going to retire, either one. I think both of them are going to come back, unless if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, Travis might. But It's possible, yeah. I don't think Jason is. I think Jason wants that one more ring. I think he wants that other ring, and I don't think he wants to end his career like this. So I personally think Jason Kelsey is going to come back, but... Imagine Van Pran, if that's how you pronounce it, learning behind Jason Kelsey for a year. Jason Kelsey retires. All of a sudden, Van Pran, boom, you're right there. Not bad. Not bad. That's, so, not, that's not bad at all. And right now, so by the way, I forgot to mention this with Trotter. So I actually did a little bit of research. Did you know Google got rid of their page numbers, by the way? Yes, I think I knew that. Yeah, when did that happen? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> So I tried to go through page one of Google, and then I realized pages were no longer a thing. So I guesstimated, but I went through a lot of links. Jeremiah Trotter was only mentioned in one NFL mock. So if you Google NFL mock draft, you're only going to find one with Jeremiah Trotter in it. Uh, they had him going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is a, such a great fit. Uh, and Van Pran showed up zero times. Now, Van Pran, that's more of a stretch to end up in the first round. That would even surprise me. But I think he ends up being kind of a guy like Osiris Storens, who I mentioned before, where he's like, okay, this guy is clearly one of the top interior offensive linemen. He's going to start, you know, quote unquote, slipping. And I think somebody, here's my ultimate prediction for him. Somebody's going to trade up in the second round to get him. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think the big thing we're sort of talking about, like guards not taking as high, you know, stock in the first round. Guard, I think guards and centers, centers, yeah. Yeah, so I think center sort of falls into that. So it's like you have to be at an exceptional level, and, you know, I need to watch a little bit of tape on Van Pran here. Um, but it's like you need to be like a Travis Fedri uh, Frederick. Uh, Dallas Cowboys took him in the first round a handful of years ago. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum from just a couple of years ago, the Baltimore Ravens took him, but I think he was just playing at such an exceptional level that it's like he would have been a day one center or guard. So that's why he went in the first round. Frederick surprised a lot of people. So I'll agree with you there, but yeah, nobody's really arguing with that pick because he's been such a stalwart on the Cowboys' offensive line for sure. So um, yeah. Maybe this falls into that same, you know, vein of thinking where it's just like, yeah, he's the best center of this year's draft class. And you see teams at the bottom there where you got the Eagles at 22. You got the Cowboys. Maybe they shore up their offensive line at 24. The Packers could use an upgrade at 25. 
Um, the Houston Texans, they could definitely use a broad Yo, protection yes, for C.J. Stroud. They're picking at 27. So, or, uh, so there's a lot of teams there at the very bottom that I think could use some offensive line help. Or I could see them potentially taking that center there in that uh, range there. But, yeah, I very much sort of see him more in the second round, I think. I And to, you know, help – I think that's a very good point by you, and especially given the two examples, because Linderbaum went at 22, I want to say. He went early 20s. Uh, maybe it was 24. It doesn't matter. Um, if memory serves it, I, I think Travis Frederick went in the top – in the 20s as well. I don't think Travis Frederick went in the top 20. He went in the 20s, yes, not in the top 20, but yeah. So there you go. Like I mean, you just named two of the best, you know, centers in the league. I'm not saying the Linderbaum's two. I'm just saying among the best. And uh, the yeah, neither neither one of them went in the top 20s. So yeah, that that position value is very clearly tanked. And you could say the same thing for running backs. Some of the best running backs in the league today did not go top 10. Before you people yell at me, yes, I know Chris McCaffrey went like six or whatever. Yeah, so Tyler Linderbaum went at 25. and oh, really, Yeah, yeah, so he went at 25. Frederick was 27? Uh, I'm looking that up right now. And Travis Frederick, I, I, don't look. What college? Wisconsin, right? Damn it! <laughs> Pretty sure I got that one right. So. No, yeah, um, you're right. It was Wisconsin. Okay. okay. I think that was a draft pick when Jerry uh, drafted on the boat. You remember the James Bond yacht? If I'm not mistaken, yes. I think that was a Travis uh, Travis Frederick pick. We're talking about Travis Frederick right now. Or at least you're talking about somebody else. No, that's what I'm saying is I think when they drafted Frederick, that was when Jerry was on the yacht. Yes, I think so. I think so. Um, I think you'll have to find the Travis Frederick. Right, it's I'm take on a little it. Long time here, but I want to get All to right, my last pick here, yes, and I kind of saved this one for last here. Um, we definitely had to bring up quarterback in this conversation. We we're talking about draft risers, and I'm gonna bring up. J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback for the University of Michigan. And so I think the biggest thing that you have to worry about with McCarthy as to why he may sort of fall into like that second round, maybe possibly the third round, depending on how things play out. But I don't know if he's a surefire first round pick. It's because of his make and build where he comes in at 6'3". So that's a good height for a quarterback. But dear Lord, he's probably 200 pounds soaking wet, Tad. Like, I mean, he is barely over 200 pounds. Talk about combine measurements. I cannot wait to see. Exactly. So that's going to be a very interesting one to see. Because if you look at like Lamar Jackson, who we talked about being a sort of like slider build quarterback, he's the same height, but he's got 10 more pounds on him. So he could sort of like, quote unquote, withstand the hits a little bit. But I mean, Tad, notoriously, you have said that's like, I don't trust Lamar Jackson in fantasy football because I'm just so worried about him getting hurt and getting hit and just sort of missing a lot of games because that happened last year. Now, this year, obviously, he was able to play the entire season for the most part, rested, obviously, that last game where the number one season was locked up, but he was able to stay healthy a lot of the time. But it's like, this is something we're seeing with Anthony Richardson now. So it's like, I mean, this is something that's like, when you're coming in at that position, the quarterback position, where it's like, I know you get sort of the benefits of like, you know, the flags and the late hits and you can't hit him below the knee. You can't hit him above the head. You have to hit him right at the numbers sort of thing even with all those benefits you're still gonna get a lot of defenders that are gonna like push them and rock them and it's like you're gonna have to make throws where a defender's coming right at you and just like can he withstand that over the course of a 17 game schedule i don't know at this weight whether that's possible that's gonna uh, really make a lot of scouts and a lot of front offices think as far as like is this the guy we want for our franchise quarterback sort of things? Like maybe a backup, but I don't know as a franchise quarterback, but I mean, he's sort of in that range of being a first round quarterback. But I think the big thing 
if you can sort of get past that, is that he has the skill set to be a very quality starter in the NFL. I won't say he's going to be like, you know, a day one type of starter. I'm not going to say he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. I'm not even going to say he's going to be a future Pro Bowler, but I think he has the skill set to be a future starter in the NFL for sure. Because, I mean, when you see his, you know, his throwing ability, it seems almost natural. Like, I mean, he doesn't seem like it's taking a lot of effort. He's got pretty good mechanics already. He sets his feet pretty well. He's got a nice motion with his arm motion as well. And take what you want with this, Tad. I'm usually a big proponent against this. A lot of people still like it. I know this is the big thing I usually hate in baseball too, but wins for quarterbacks. But I mean, the guy was a winner. He went 27 and one in his college career. I always feel like. What was that one? What was that one, by the way? TCU, obviously being a last year. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Um, so, I mean, take that what you want, obviously. So, like I said, I'm usually against that where you're talking about wins because especially like in baseball, it's like it's not always on the pitcher. Sometimes the offense can score you like 10 runs, and it's like, okay, the pitcher doesn't have to do much, and he's going to get the win. So it's like obviously it's a little easier. So same thing here. Michigan had an outstanding defense. Jim Harbaugh obviously based that offense around the running game. So J.J. McCarthy did have to do much, and that's also a little bit of as a knock to him as far as like whether scouts are going to evaluate him properly because within that offense tad i mean obviously you saw this where it's just like they were relying on him to be the focal point of that offense he wasn't like a quid viewers at texas he wasn't like a michael pettix jr at washington he wasn't like a caleb williams at usc he was just a product within that system but the caveat to that though is when they asked him to make plays he was making plays. Like, I mean, you see that athletic ability. He's able to come out of the pocket. He is making throws off platform. But I think just unfortunately, you didn't see enough of it because that's just not the style of offense that the Michigan Wolverines were running there. So he is a national champion. So, I mean, you got to take that for a little bit of credibility there. Excellent leadership skills. And I just, everything that I've been hearing, especially leading up to that national title game, is that the guy just absolutely kills it in his interviews. Like, this guy is just very likable. He's got a charming personality. So, I mean, that's obviously going to play very big in NFL locker rooms, too. It's like, if you're getting that sort of charisma and natural leadership ability from your quarterback, it's like, that may sort of boost his stock a little bit, too. Um, He definitely needs to work on his decision-making. And I think, once again, this just sort of is like, in the type of system that he is on, he wasn't asked to sort of make a lot of these like big throws where it's like he had to really scan the defense, really make the right pre-snap adjustments sort of thing. It was just like he just had to play within the system. A lot of handoffs, all these two your great running backs, and Blake Horeb, Donovan Edwards, right? But, I mean, he you did see enough of it that's like, you know, this guy can be a gifted passer at the next level. Very strong deep throw ability. He was able also to sort of layer his throws, hitting it to all three levels with some good touch as well. But just I think the biggest thing that I think could help him shoot up draft boards is that in the national title game, we saw Michael Penix Jr., who absolutely destroyed Texas. And then unfortunately, the national title game against a lot tougher of a defense in Michigan, he just didn't look like the same quarterback. So unfortunately, that is going to hurt his stock. Obviously, we're going to see what happens in the combine at his pro day as far as like his skill set, whether he could sort of get over that rib injury. Clearly, we saw that he was hurt in that national title game and he was gritting through it. But I think if J.J. McCarthy can sort of like keep killing it at those interviews and being that likable type of guy and then he goes to the combine and he goes to his pro day and he can show, showcase the skill set that he has that he wasn't able to show as much at Michigan in the offense there. I think he may shoot past some of these guys and possibly in the conversation to be the fourth quarterback off the board instead of at number five or six where he is right now. So, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting situation to see where it's like, I think we're locked into Caleb Williams at one, most likely Drake may at number two. 
Jaden Daniels, unfortunately, with Michael Penix's performance, is sort of locked in as three now. I mean, you can sort of interchange May and Jaden Daniels, maybe even Caleb Williams to an extent, at the top three. But those are your top three guys. Four through six, though, is going to be very interesting between Michael Penix Jr., J.J. McCarthy, and Bo Nix out of Oregon. So, I mean, yeah, J.J. McCarthy can keep killing it on all the intangibles and then just sort of on top of it showcase his skill set that he wasn't able to show at the University of Michigan during his uh, days running that offense there. I think some scouts may look at that and be like, hey, maybe this is the guy that we want leading our team as long as we can develop him properly and he may slip into the first round then. So I have three very weird comparisons for J.J. McCarthy, none of <laughs> which right. none of which let's involve his – once again, I, I need to put this caveat on it. I'm not saying he plays like any of these players. I'm talking sure. about the situational comparison. Okay. All right. The first one is um, I think he is this year's Will Levis. Meaning that had Will Levis okay. gone in the top 10 last year, it would not have shocked me at all. I was actually sure. fully expecting And what shocked me more was the fact that Will Levis fell out of the first round. I thought that Very some team was going to fall in love with him because it, it sounds so much similar to what we were saying this time last year, right? Will Levis is really good. He needs a lot of refinement on his game, but he's such a good athlete. And apparently he's a great guy and all this stuff. And I mean, look at what happened. Will Levis ended up being one of, if not the best quarterback at this year's class. I am joking before people scream at me. Um, but Will Levis ended up looking good. Uh, is he the he answer some flashes. for Tennessee? He yeah, some flashes. is he the answer for Tennessee? TBD. But yeah, exactly. He showed some flashes, which is more than some quarterbacks can say. Um, Anthony Richardson. Uh, I'm joking. He showed flashes too. Come on. He showed flashes for like a quarter of the time <laughs> because he was out for the other three quarters. Anyway, like literally a quarter of the time because no, he played a game for a quarter. That was not a metaphor. <laughs> that was very was literal. Quite literal. <laughs> Oh, buddy, I hope he stays healthy. I hope he stays healthy for you. (laughs) But point being is, it wouldn't shock me if J.J. McCarthy does play himself into the first, uh, not even just the first round, the top 10. Is like that. That would be one of those. too high for him. I agree. Based off what I saw, I don't think he could go in the top 10, but I think definitely he could slide into the first round for sure. I agree. And I'm going to get into that concern uh, in a bit. But I would still, because I'm with you. Does he belong in the top 10? Absolutely not. Will he go in the top 10? Maybe. Like, I could see that happening. Possible. Possible. So, if a team falls in love with him, because like you said, yes, he is a very likable guy with all the whole meditating on the goalpost thing. I don't know. But apparently a lot of people like him. And so, yes, I think that will help a lot because we know how much, way too much stock these teams put in the interview process. My second comparison is this. This is where... I'll be very interested to watch more in depth because the whole thing with tape, I don't know if you do this because yes, we do watch videos on YouTube. We do not have these coaches connections where we can order tape, but I will say this is if there, there are two things I do. First off is Google or not Google, but YouTube, the player's name and draft. And watch a couple of their, you know, like just draft tapes. Thank you, by the way, for all the channels that put that out there. You are a lifesaver. But what I'll also do is I'll, you know, YouTube, Michigan, uh, Penn State, and there are a lot of channels that will put it at the entire game. And I will do what a lot of scouts do is watch play, rewind, watch again. Watch play, rewind, watch again. I have not done that with McCarthy yet. I'll be interested to see how his decision-making changes in my mind, if it does, because I'm right there with you. Yes, he made the plays when needed. But for the most part, especially, again, as a secondary Michigan fan, I felt like I was watching Chad Pennington out there. A more athletic Chad Pennington, granted, but it was more just like, hey, 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 don't fuck this up. 
yeah, don't that's you throw true. that pick? And it was just like, eh, all right. And like, and yes, he made a couple of amazing plays. And that was the thing is like, at times it was like, oh, this dude's a lock for the first over. It's kind of like watching Shadur Sanders in Colorado, where I was like, oh my God, I see the first rounder here. And then that like four players later, I'd be like, eh, yeah, you're a bust. So the Chad Pennington of it is like, wherever he went, I always felt like it was just like, just get us a couple touchdowns. Just get us down the field. We will figure it out despite you. Which is interesting. And then this is my final comparison. Like you said, he is a underrated athlete for you know reasons. <laughs> but <laughs> I do wonder at his pro days especially, because tell me this doesn't remind you of another similar quarterback, because you know reasons. Where let's say he hits one crazy 60 yard throw, and then all of a sudden people are like, Oh my good god, this guy is a crazy athlete in the pocket. He can hit all these nasty throws, and like, this is the dude. I could see something he does at the pro day going viral, and that will stupidly, admittedly, but regardless, skyrocket his draft side. It's just the thing is, McCarthy, exactly. It wouldn't sh- well shock me if he fell as low as the third. Um, if he fell out of the second round, that'd be pretty surprising. But it wouldn't surprise me if he reached the second round. It also wouldn't surprise me if he was like the eighth or ninth overall pick. Interesting. Okay. okay. It all depends on like, because look, I, like I said, I love the draft. Our viewers, listeners know this very well. It is one of my favorite things in the entire world. But the draft can also be really, really dumb at times. And if you look really good in a t-shirt and shorts, which I think McCarthy will, you can really start rising up those draft boards. Exactly. So that's why it's very critical what happens during these next couple of months as far as how the combine goes, how the pro days goes. If you're invited to one of the bowl games between the East West Shrine game, uh, the Senior Bowl, possibly the HBCU Legacy Bowl. Like, I mean, that's where you can sort of really make a name for yourself as well. A lot of scouts take a lot of uh, stock into those as well. The practice week leading up to the game and obviously the game itself. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see how this all plays out. But, yeah, those are just a couple of the guys that we want to list out here that before we see the combine, before we see these bowl games before we see the pro days could potentially with all of those things in mind could possibly shoot up some draft boards with some successful performances this is the side guys version of dibs <laughs> true I, I agree with that one i agree with that one for sure uh but guys i mean this is just the peak of our draft content for you like i mean we're really going to go deep and heavy into it next week tad surprisingly next week is the Senior Bowl and this East-West Shrine game. Both are happening next week, so we are got you covered as far as content is concerned for there. We will be doing our annual Senior Bowl live stream as well. We'll hopefully have some good friends of ours on the stream as well, but definitely we got me, you got Tad. We're going to give you a lot of great content covering that game from the first snap all the way to the final whistle of that game, giving you a lot of great content over throughout the entire three hours there. Uh, probably even longer than that. I think the last time we think like close to four hours, if I remember correctly. So, it was a while. But- yeah, but it's a lot of great content. It's a lot of fun for sure. This is our third year doing it, if I remember correctly. It might I be our fourth I, year. I can't remember that one. Yeah, I think it's our third. Third year sounds more accurate. Yeah, for sure. But make sure you tune in for that. We'll definitely get some more promos for that as we get a little closer. Uh, we're definitely going to be going heavy with the combine. Of course, the pro days, just all sorts of draft rankings and big boards. And just hopefully we'll have some guests throughout the season as well. But guys, we're definitely transitioning into draft content. And if you definitely want to get into the conversation 
Make sure you're hitting us up on all our social media handles. You see the ticker coming right down below. You got us on Twitter. You got me at the side 23 Tad at Tad the side 94 Got the show handle at the side guys. And of course on Instagram at the side guys as well. Hit us up. Talk to us. What do you think? Who are some other guys that you think are going to rise up draft boards? What do you think is going to fall? Because they're going to have a bad performance during the draft season. Like, I mean, that's a possibility too. Just other guys you want to talk to us about. Please hit us up. We're here to interact with you. If you got fantasy questions, like, I mean, fantasy season doesn't end just because the season is over. The regular season, I should say. If you're playing a dynasty league, if you're playing a keeper leagues, I mean, what have you. I mean, if you're starting up a league, like, I mean, hit us up. We're here to help you out with all of that as well. Guys, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe to your podcast platforms there, whether you listen on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, if you listen on the LEFA Network website, ton of options out there. Hit that subscribe button. Always be up to date with the podcast. Watch us on YouTube. Appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And guys, please support our parent network at LEFB Network. They're giving you a lot of great content when it comes to the Chargers and the Rams at the professional level and the Trojans and the Bruins at the college level. So lots of great content from all four LA-based sports football teams. Um, but guys, to everybody who's already supporting us, who's watching the videos, who's listening to the podcast, who's interacting with us on social media, I mean, just anything and everything that you're doing to support, a guy, support us, guys. We really can't thank you enough. And keep tuning in for awesome draft coverage and some awesome underdog picks because, you know, we haven't made a decision yet, but chances are we're going to drop some picks even during the NFL offseason. They will more than likely have NFL draft, you know, odds. And even if they don't, guys, I've made more money on the NBA than I have on the NFL this year. I'm not going to lie. So if you need some NBA betting advice, we are here for you. And as always, Drop some, you know, off-season show ideas. What you want us to do? Is it more betting stuff? Is it more game shows? Is it more, even more draft stuff? Although, please don't do that because we are doing so much draft stuff. Um, <laughs> chances are we'll get to it. Trust us. But oh, yeah. you know what? Regardless, yeah. is if you have an idea for what you would like us to cover, we are all ears. We are all eyes. I guess to social media. So we always listen to our fans. It may take me a little while to find your comments, but I promise eventually I will find it and we will consider it because you guys are the best. Without you, there is no us, and we have gone such a long way over the last couple of years. So as always, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching, and please stay safe. Mm-hmm.